0: Welcome to the Mission Cleveland weekly podcast. Encouragement and hope in a despairing world. One of my favorite films is the 2014 movie Calvary, which starred Brennan Gleeson as this Irish Catholic priest. And the, the movie starts with this very startling opening scene where Brennan Gleason, as a priest, is taking a confession, and the parishioner who's confessing sits down in the confessional booth and says to Gleason, I'm going to kill you, Father. I'm going to kill you because you're a good priest. And what I find so remarkable about this this movie, among other things, is the reality that Gleason, as a priest, he could have left at any point in that movie. He could have just gone. But Gleason stays in the tension and continues to move in. And you see him throughout the entire movie, throughout the entire film, just meeting with different parishioners. And he doesn't run away. He doesn't run away from the tension. How do we respond to the tension that we feel? Often I think our response is automatic. It's that fight, flight, or freeze, that limbic response that we just kind of kick in. When we enter into Advent, we are entering into a season of expectation and preparation. We remember Christ's birth and the incarnation. And if we travel the pathway of Advent as the church has traditionally done, we are also confronted by divine judgment. It's a theme that for most of us, it makes us draw back. It sends us into some type of spiritual fight, flight, or freeze, I think. The reality is we are moving toward this moment. And Advent stands each year as a reminder of Christ's return to set in the new heavens and the new earth. The only way we can move into the space of Advent without running away without being controlled by our own fears of divine judgment or our premature resolutions to escape our suffering or or grow cynical with the thoughts about Christ's new world. The only way to do this is by being open to the longing of our soul. This Advent at the Mission Cleveland, we're focusing our preaching theme on longing, on how listening to our desire can help us remain in the tension that we experience. There are so many tensions in this world. The tension between health and suffering, the tension between advantage and disadvantage, between wealth and poverty, between individuality and community, choice and restriction, doing something virtually versus doing something in person. The tensions we see between ability and disability, youth and elder, cynicism and hope. And what we do with these tensions matters. I believe how we respond to them is diagnostic to how we relate to our faith, how we relate to our deeper desire or longing, Ronald Rolheiser, in his book Holy Longing, says, desire can show itself as aching pain or delicious hope. He goes on to say spirituality, our faith, is ultimately about what we do with that desire, what we do with our longings, both in terms of handling the pain and the hope that they bring us. That is our spirituality, he says. One interesting point to make here as we move into Advent is that The traditional themes of Advent are quite different than those of our four candles. The four candles we light during Advent are respectively hope, love, peace, and joy. And I love that we emphasize those virtues during Advent. These are virtues we need to always remember. They should always inform our faith. If we disconnect from them, we might say, well, what does our faith really consist of anyway? However, the four traditional liturgical meditations of Advent, what our lectionary readings point us to during the four Sundays of Advent, are sometimes known as the four last things. Those readings are, 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 and meditations are based on these four realities Advent one, death, Advent two, judgment, Advent three, heaven, and Advent four, hell. The idea is that as we meditate on these realities, our longings and our expectations are oriented toward Christ's return, Christ's second advent. And when we meditate on something like death and advent, I think for many of us, this just seems so morose and unlike what we have experienced in the past as we move toward Christmas. Christmas, we like to think about life. We think about the incarnational life of God stepping into our world in Jesus Christ for the purposes of our redemption, for the salvation of the world. And as myself, someone who didn't grow up celebrating Advent, I found it hard to reconcile the first candle of hope with the lectionary readings that are really thematically situated around death. So here we are moving into Advent, and we see this tension right away. Isaiah 64 begins this way, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. The prophet Isaiah is here giving us a picture of human longing, possibly our deepest longing, a longing for the presence of God. Maybe your words are different than Isaiah's, but how many times through this pandemic have you paused to pray or even cried out, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down? Oh, Lord, we're so weary. I don't know how much more of this social distancing I can handle. I think a modern day prophetic cry might look something like this. Oh, Lord, I feel so alone in this pandemic. Can you just show up? I miss so many things. Can you help us again? The prophet knows how to remain in the tension between death and hope. And a primary way we see this is through holding that tension in prayer, crying out for the presence of God, no matter how desolate or exposed we may feel, never detaching from the deeper longing. That God would be present in all of our experiences. The repetitious refrain from the psalmist is another picture of a human heart longing for the presence of God. In Psalm 80, we read, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. There's something about the presence of God that reminds us that we are alive, that we are saved. If we could only see his face, if we could only see him, that is our salvation. What a profound picture of our heart's deep longing. Jordan Peterson is probably one of the most influential thinkers of our time. He's a professor at the University of Toronto who studies the interface of psychology and religious belief. And I've really enjoyed reading his book, The Twelve Rules of Life, subtitled An Antidote to the Chaos. In the book, he, he works with this tension that we've all experienced between order and chaos. And essentially, he draws attention to the desire that we have to live meaningful lives. And he says this, we can't have a meaningful life unless we take responsibility for it. If we want a meaningful life, a life of flourishing, we need order and intentionality. As Christians, we know having a rule has been part of the fabric of Christian faith for centuries. Take the rule of St. Benedict, for example. But there's one rule that Peterson mentions in his book that I think is relevant to our conversation here. And here's the rule. Peterson says, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. He says, to live is to suffer. And what human beings tend to do in the midst of suffering is to look for the fastest way to return back to pleasure. And of course, no one's encouraging suffering simply for the sake of suffering. Yet when suffering does come, and we start looking for the escape hatch right away, we're likely to miss something meaningful and valuable in our lives. And friends, maybe we even miss the face of God. In Peterson's words, we just do something expedient. We get away with our escapism and our distractions. But as followers of Christ, the primary question within our suffering, more than how can I get out of this, is how can I hide myself in Christ as I go through this? St. Ignatius of Loyola, who often wrote on the tensions of desolation and consolation, also wrote the Anima Christi prayer in which we pray, In your wounds hide me. Even in, and especially in, our suffering, we long for the presence of God. But it's so easy for us to move away from Him into something more expedient, into our own mode of self-deliverance, into our own form of redemption. In the Gospel of Mark, Mark 13, we read of the suffering at the end of time. In the context immediately preceding Mark 13, verses 24 through 37, which is our Gospel reading for this first Sunday of Advent, we read Jesus describing tremendous suffering. Disciples will be beaten in synagogues. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Children will betray parents to the point of death. And as believers, Jesus says, you will be hated for my name's Jesus teaches there will be tribulations such as has not been experienced from the beginning of creation. It's a tremendous picture of suffering. It's so hard to even read it. And Jesus says in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in heaven will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, Jesus says. Friends, this image is quite startling to us. I wonder what we notice arising within us when we listen to these words. My guess is that For some of us, maybe even the majority, it's hard for us to read these and be attentive to our longing for the presence of God. We know what to do with pictures of suffering. We've got a history with our own suffering. We get about three words into that passage, and we've already found the escape hatch. But what would it be like if we read these passages of suffering and didn't give in to that temptation to flee? But instead, we ask ourselves, how can I hide myself in the words of Christ? How can I stay alert to my desire to see the heavens open? How can I stay awake to my longing for the presence of God? I want to close with an image. It's the image Jesus gives in Mark 13. Jesus says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. The command, the the imperative from Jesus in all of this passage is keep awake. We have to be reminded to keep awake because without these startling images from Jesus, we will fall asleep to the presence of God. We will tune out from that deep longing of our hearts. We'll do something expedient and miss the meaningful flourishing life with the presence of God. I started to wonder why Jesus uses a fig tree here. And what I think is true of fig trees is that they're late bloomers. Here in Tennessee, the first signs of spring are are dogwoods and forsythias. These are, are nature's decree that the winter is over, but the fig tree isn't like the dogwood. After all the plants and trees, after all creation has sung the song of winter's end, the fig tree shows up it's been patient. It's endured all the suffering of winter. Yet instead of being a symbol of winter's end, the fig tree marks a new season. It marks the season of summer's beginning. The picture that Jesus offers is one of patient endurance, one of staying awake. It designates those who follow him as people of the summer, people of the bright, sun, where we are an entire season removed from the winter. But that also means that throughout almost the entire spring, we may get impatient. Our longings may give way to something more expedient and draw us off course. Jesus says, what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. I don't know how these passages hit you or how it feels to enter Advent in the midst of a pandemic. But I know for many of us, the weariness and fatigue we have experienced have forced us into our own enclaves of isolation. And some of that distancing we have needed to do and will continue to do and practice healthy alone time. But where have we lost our longing for the presence of God? Where have we given up? Given in to the tension and moved into something expedient just to find relief from the pain. If that describes you, I get it. I think Jesus gets it too. But he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to remember the budding life that's inside. It's life that's not easily seen, but it's there nonetheless. It's life that can get lost in all the suffering. And so Jesus' plea to us is to keep awake. Pray that the heaven would open and God's presence would come down. Pray Psalm 80, let your face shine on us, O Lord, that we would be saved. Pray that God might reignite longing for His presence, longing for His return, longing for His redemption instead of our own expediency, our attempts to escape in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen Thanks for listening Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week